I'm excited to open up God's word with you this morning. Hope you are as well. Excited to interact with you that way. And hopefully you will be able to learn something new today. Not just about God, but about me too. I grew up uh, as a young boy uh, in rural Pennsylvania, Lancaster County to be exact. And as a young boy, I learned from a young age, I was taught how to respect others. Specifically, how to respect those who are older than me, especially, right? So I I wouldn't even know the first names of my neighbors if my parents, if I didn't hear them talking to them. So for me, they were just Mr. and Mrs. Bacon, Mr. and Mrs. Pebbly, and Mr. and Mrs. Mueller. And I learned quickly that when my dad says to Mr. Mueller, hi, Al, greeting him by his first name, that I don't say, hi, Al. (laughs) I say, hi, Mr. Mueller. And that was my way of showing respect to him. I learned that when I was young. And it was so drilled into me that when I got a little older and I met some new friends and interacted with their parents and they asked me then to call them by their first name. All of a sudden, young Ben is in an ethical dilemma. Do I honor them by obeying their wishes or do I honor them and my parents by acknowledging them as my elder? Tough stuff. Fast forward a few years, came home from school one day, find this on the living room table, all caps, Ben, to write this sentence 500 times, use scrap paper and number sentences. I will respect my teachers by not talking in class. My dad put that there for me. I remember to this day the class it was. I don't remember what I was talking about or who it was with, but I remember it was Mrs. Sprinkle's science class. I'll never forget. And apparently she had told my mom and dad. And so now it was time for a lesson, a hard lesson in uh, honor and respect. Uh, And so I still got this sheet to this day. It was a lesson that I never, ever forgot. You can go to the next one there. Eight pages front and back took me. There's only so many lines on a page. And if you go to the next one here, I'm surprised my dad actually accepted this when I was done because I started actually writing it out in columns instead of line by line. I, 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 I will, 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 will. Uh, And uh, go to the next one there. This is my favorite part. I actually just put a line down the page and started crossing the T's. Uh, Just thought that would be faster. Um, Yeah, really bad. But you know what? I got the lesson. That's the point. I got the lesson. Uh, And the lesson wasn't simply that I just don't talk in class. The lesson was that my teachers are to be honored and respected. I never forgot that. So thanks, Mom and Dad. Looking back now, as an adult, I wish sometimes that Lessons of honor and respect were as easy as they were for me back then to learn. I think that as we become an adult, that honor and respect and how we navigate that gets a little bit more complicated, especially as it relates to honoring our mom and dad. And so here we go. We find ourselves today as we consider what does the Bible have to say about that? What does God think about all this honor and respect? We find ourselves in the Ten Commandments, of course. We've been looking over them, these words in stone, and we've been mining them to try to see if we can find a little insight into God's heart. And today is going to be no different as we come to the Fifth Commandment. Honor your father and your mother. And before we hop in, I just wanted to give a little bit of a heads up. 
Uh, and that heads up is that we're going to be dealing with mom and dad in this sermon. And I understand for some of us that might bring wonderful, wonderful memories and all kinds of good things come to mind. But for others of us, maybe not so much. Maybe there's some real palpable pain for you this morning as you think about what it means to honor your father and mother. And what I want you to know is not only do I understand that as we approach this discussion, but that God knows and he knew when he gave this commandment, how your parents would mistreat you. But I believe that this commandment is a grace for you still. And that is a hundred percent intended for your good. And so for all of us, each one of us doesn't have a perfect parent. We all have imperfect parents and we all bear some scars of mistreatment. Some of course, deeper than others. But I think there's something that all of us can learn from this. So in that spirit, I normally like to, to read the text before praying, but let's pray together now and ask for his help. Would you pray with me? Heavenly father, thank you that you are such a good father to us that you care for us so well. And as we approach your word this morning, just pray that you would continue to care for us in our time here, especially those of us who have a lot of difficulty and pain that is associated with this subject of mom and dad. Help all of us. Give us peace. Help us to see who you are this morning. See your love for us and help us to learn how we can grow in our relationship with you this morning. That is our prayer. Open up our hearts to hear from you. Speak through me. Be with me as I speak. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Well, let's read. We don't have time this morning to read all, uh, all the verses leading up and all the commandments leading up to ours. So we're in Exodus 20, of course, 10 commandments. Our commandment we find is in verse 12 here. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord, your God is giving you honor your father and your mother. First headline. I put it there on your study sheet. I hope you find that helpful during this sermon is what is honor anyway. Let's talk about that. I think that in a society like ours, one that is not built on honor, Of course, there are societies like that on earth today that are built on honor, that are structured around honor and shame. Ours is not. Ours is not built on honor. So I think in our culture, in our society, because we don't value honor in that same way, we have a little bit of a lack of understanding of what honor is and what it should look like. Um, And maybe we, we don't see it too often in practice because it's not valued that much. So before we go any farther, let's, let's define honor. Let's define what it is that we're talking about. And we see in the commandment here in our verse, honor your father and your mother. And that honor, this word honor is used as a verb here. So I want to define it as a verb. What does it mean to honor? And I put a little working definition there on your study sheet uh, that to honor isn't just respect. In most dictionaries that I looked at, I was trying to formulate uh, a definition. Dictionaries wanted to use the term respect all the time when it came to honor. Respect, respect, respect. I think that's somewhat helpful, but respect is different than honor a little bit. Um, Honor is a little bit more inclusive. And so the definition I put for you there is to honor is to acknowledge and attribute worthiness. To acknowledge and attribute worthiness. 
or another way of saying it might be to change up the words a little bit to recognize and to regard worthiness. So you see there, notice there's, there's two different things going on there. There's internal processes and external action. There's an internal acknowledgement of honor. And then there's external attribution of it. There's some kind of action that demonstrates honor. Both are going on internal and external dynamics happening when it comes to honor. It's not one or the other. And Jesus said this about the Pharisees. He said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And he's quoting the prophet Isaiah there and saying, the prophet Isaiah prophesied well about you, that you're doing all these outward actions showing that you honor me, but really you don't honor me in your heart. Your heart's not in it. You don't have a genuine spirit about your actions. And so therefore it's not really honor at all. They honor me with their lips, lip service. Ever heard that before? Giving lip service to someone. That's what we're talking about here. Honor, true honor is to honor with your heart, to honor with your heart. It's not half hearted. It's not just, you know, reluctantly doing it, feeling obligated to do it. It's, it's pure. It's true. And it's sincere. Actions typically flow out of the heart. That's kind of how things roll normally that we believe something. We have convictions about something. And then, so we act upon those convictions, right? In this case, sometimes it might be hard for us to act or to have convictions about honoring someone who might not deserve honor. And I think that God gives us a little bit of grace in this area and that sometimes he allows actions to lead our heart along. Typically it's the other way around, but sometimes he allows us to stretch out our hand in obedience to follow him when we don't feel like it. And then he helps our heart grow into that. And so he helps us. He gives us grace. He gives us grace. He helps our hearts grow for him and he helps our hearts grow for others too. So have hope there. Another part of the equation that we have to talk about and have to address. um, It's important for us to understand the culture that we live in. Blank on your study sheet there is that we live in an honorless society. How does our culture deal with honor? Well, we're, like I said, we're not built on honor. The culture that we live in, our society isn't built on it. We definitely don't value honor. You could say we don't have honor because we don't honor honor. Did you get that? We don't value it. There's not a high value, especially in Western culture. We just don't think it's that important. And because we don't think it's that important, then in our practice, we don't, we don't see it because it's not valued. People say that you have to earn honor before you have it. So before you can have or get it, you have to first earn it. You might've heard it said of respect that respect is not given. It is earned, right? Um, they say that about a lot of different things, love, trust, loyalty. These are things that aren't given. They are earned. And what that's really saying, what's the heart behind that is nobody owes you anything. You have to earn it from them. And you then don't owe anybody anything. I don't owe anybody anything, especially not my respect. They have to earn it from me. That's what our culture says. 
Troy and I lived in Chicago for a little time, and I think the public transportation there kind of illustrates this point a little bit. You get on a bus, train, of course it's full of all kinds of people. 99% of those people have earbuds in or are on their phones, right? Okay, that's fine. But then a senior citizen walks on the train or the bus, okay? Limited seating now, okay? Let's say it's all full, packed with people. I can count, I've been on hundreds of trains and buses in Chicago over the years living there. And I can count on one hand the number of times I've seen someone get up and offer their seat to a senior citizen. And it might seem like a simple thing that, but what it really does is it illustrates this mentality. I don't owe you anything. You don't owe me anything either, but I don't owe you anything. What have you done to grant your worthiness to sit in this seat over me? Our culture says that performance, performance is what matters when it comes to respect. But in God's word, we see that in God's society, there is a certain place for respecting of position over performance, position over performance. For example, and this, this is true of any high office, okay, in any country over this earth, that Someone who's in that high office, maybe you don't agree with their politics, their opinions, their etiquette, how they conduct themselves, their values. And that's okay. You're totally entitled to do that. But there is at least some measure of honor and respect that you should have for that office the person holds. And in our text today, we're talking about father and mother. So let's use fathers. Let's just take fathers as an example. Our culture says that fathers need to first earn our honor. But God says that they are honorable as is. That doesn't mean that they're automatically a good person, that they have good values. They treat other people well. It's not that we're supposed to lavish praise on them. But what it does mean is that their position as our father requires and demands our honor. On what basis? Well, on the simple basis that God appointed them to be your parent. See, and that's how this commandment also applies to all different kinds of authority in our lives. That every person that's in some kind of authority in our lives, each one of them was not did not arrive there by happenstance. It wasn't random, but the sovereign God of the universe, the sovereign God of the Bible, the same God that wrote these words in stone. He's the one who appointed those people to those places of authority in your life. And so therefore they are God's appointed and they deserve honor. You never thought of your boss that way before. Have you as God's appointed? (laughs) See you next week. God's appointed. I'll get you that report. Don't worry about it. I'm on it. Uh, but again, just, just because they're appointed by God, it doesn't mean that they're somehow a good person. They very well may not be. But this is what we see in the Bible. As we read this book, we see that God values honor. He puts a high value on it. Not just for himself. Yes, that's true. But also for those he places in positions of authority on this earth. And he asks us to respect those and honor those who he puts in those positions of authority. Regardless 
of how well, how well they steward their authority. I think a good example of this is in Acts. We, have, we see the Apostle Paul. He's standing on trial before a Jewish council. They're not very happy with him. He's on trial, though, and he's giving his defense. He says, my conscience is clear before God. And this angers the high priest. And so the high priest commands those next to Paul to strike him on the mouth. And Paul, of course, right, being a good Christian, just takes it submissively. No, he didn't do that. He says, you will be struck, you whitewashed wall. Okay, Paul, taking it to a new level. He was being mistreated. The, the high priest is the one who's supposed to be advocating on his behalf before God, right? That's his role. And yet here he is commanding someone to strike him in the midst of his trial and his, his sharing of his defense. This is injustice. But this was the high priest who Paul was talking to. And so the people around say, do you dishonor the high priest? Paul didn't realize it was the high priest. And so he says, I did not know it was the high priest. Essentially communicating that had he known this man who did this injustice to him was the high priest, he would not have responded in the way he did. This doesn't mean that he would have subjected himself to that mistreatment. He would have been like, oh, you're the high priest. Yes, hit me. That's not what he would have done, I don't think. I think he still would have defended himself. But he would have done it in an honorable manner, showing more honor for that person who got appointed to authority. That's just one example. And there's lots in this book. Lots in this book. God values honor. And we should too. And there's all kinds of relationships that we have on this life. All kinds of different opportunity for us to practice this value of honor for ourselves. But the most obvious and of course the one that God explicitly commands for us is to honor our father and our mother. Honor in the family. And if we're talking about God's appointed authority on earth, probably the most influential figures in our lives are our father and our mother. We're talking about authority. Father and mother are probably the most influential people in our lives. And that could be your biological mom and dad, or maybe it's your adopted mom and dad. Or maybe for some of you, it's someone who's acted like a father or mother, took on that role in your life a little bit. Maybe for some of us, we have some people who we consider to be our spiritual mom and dad. They've helped us grow in the faith or come to faith. I think that, All these parents, these parental figures are included in this commandment. But it is especially about our biological mom and dad, regardless of whether they're a part of our life or have been or not. It is the God appointed office of mother and father that compels honor. Because the reality is that none of us would be here if it wasn't for both a mother and a father. They brought us into this world. And on that grounds alone, we're compelled to honor them. However, just like our culture doesn't value honor, it seems to not also value family. 
And I think we see that all over the place. And that makes this commandment doubly challenging because we live in a culture where we don't value honor. We don't value family. And God says, honor your father and your mother. And so it's difficult for us. We have to understand the world we live in. We have to push against the cultural norms. We live in an individualistic age, an age of autonomy. One of the books I was reading in preparation for this, written by Al Mohler, he said that we live in an age of intentional orphans, meaning that we intentionally cut ourselves off from our family to become our own person. And so we become like an orphan. It's something that's celebrated in our culture. If somebody says something like, I'm carving out my own path. I'm becoming my own person. I'm a self-made success story. Those are things that, you know, naturally we would want to celebrate and our culture does. But really what that's saying is I've cut myself off from my family, heritage, legacy, value. And I have made myself. I'm self-made and I'm my own person. And maybe that's not all that shocking to us, but maybe it should be. I think for ancient Israel to hear something like that, to hear someone say, I've cut myself off from my family would be just completely shocking, profoundly shocking. It would be unthinkable. You just wouldn't do it. And that's what we find in the new Testament. When Jesus talks about this prodigal son who took his father's hair, his uh, inheritance And left early, left his family behind, went in his own way, did his own thing. He brought great shame on his family. To do so would be completely unthinkable in that culture. And so it's just important for us to understand that the culture around us just doesn't value that family the way it should. And sometimes those cultural norms and those cultural values can make their way into our lives. And so as Christians, we need to be aware. We need to be aware of what our culture is valuing. But what does God value? And we need to follow what God values, not the culture. So be weary, be weary. Uh, one of the authors um, that I read also said this, speaking of the broader culture, that our parents in particular have become a toxic waste site on which to dump the blame of our dysfunction. I believe this makes it all the more important for us as Christians who live in a broken world to show the broken world what honor is like. And in doing so, we show them what Jesus is like. We show them a little bit of what God looks like and what it's like to be in a relationship with him. It should be the Christians who in a world that doesn't value honor and doesn't value family are honoring mother and father and the ones fighting to defend their honor and fighting to maintain relational connectivity with them. It should be the Christians who are doing that, even in the face of parental injustice Because grace in the face of injustice is a huge pointer to Jesus. Because that's what he did for us. It should be obvious for us at this point, but it's also important to point out that this commandment obviously isn't just for children, right? It's for children and adults. It's for us, if not primarily for us. We don't grow out of it. There's no graduation date from this. Not even when our parents pass on do we get excused from this commandment. We are to continually honor our parents. And uh, in the context of this command being for adults, I put on your study sheet there that even parents 
have a role to play in following the fifth commandment. And I allude to Paul's words in Ephesians six, where he is talking about the fifth commandment, honoring your father and mother. And he gives instructions to both children and parents. And here's the instructions that he gives to the parents. Do not provoke your children to anger. Don't make it any more difficult for them to honor you, right? Make it easy for them. Don't provoke them to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I called my dad and mom this past week, and I told them I was going to be preaching the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. And I asked them, you got any wisdom on honoring mom and dad? And they said, the best thing that you can do to honor your mom and dad is to honor God with your life. And I think that's true for parents as well. That if you want your children to honor God with their lives, then you need to honor God with yours. And you need to model for them what honor looks like. For how are they going to learn if they don't learn it from you? So bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, but model, model what honor looks like. Practice honor, honor your own father and mother. Parents imperfectly, of course, are meant to give us just a little picture of what God is like in his warm and nurturing side, but also in his just and wrathful side. Parents and the family structure parent child structure. When we see that, when we view it, when we observe it, when we live in it, it gives us a little picture and helps us prepare for what it's like to be in a relationship with a heavenly parent as his child. It's a similar type of structure. And I think that's a grace that God gives us that he shows us what he is like in family. And that's the, that's a grace in his design. It's his invitation to come and know us that he gives us and helps prepare us to be in relationship with him in the way that he designed family to operate. Pretty cool. It's a grace. It's a grace for us. And so when we follow the fifth commandment as Christians, we model both for ourselves, for our children, for others around us, what God looks like and what it's like to be in a relationship with him. And that is a huge reason of why we honor the next headline there on your study sheet is why honor. Well, we don't honor because we believe the fifth commandment is a formula for family or personal happiness. It's not. But what about this intriguing phrase that's attached here in verse 12, honor your father and mother. And here's the phrase that your days may be long in the land that the Lord, your God is giving you. What's that all about? Well, let's start out by ruling that this is not a promise of long life on this earth. If we honor our our mom and dad, right? There's no correlation between how well we honor mom and dad and how long we live. Otherwise we might not be here. Uh, I don't think that's the point here, but what is the point? Uh, I think Paul's words in Ephesians six Um, And as you're thinking about this commandment, spend some time in Ephesians six, just in the beginning there, Paul hashes out a little bit and it's very helpful for our understanding. But I think his words there help us understand about this, this promise, this extra phrase that's attached here. He calls it a promise. He says the fifth commandment is the first commandment with a promise. Um, So what is that promise for? Are, Are we today as 
Gentile Christians promise to live long in the land that the Lord, your God is giving you. I don't think so. I don't think that's the point either. We're not supposed to live long in Israel's land, the the promised land that was given to them. So what does this mean? Well, we have to remember the context. Obviously this had major significance for the newly formed people of Israel. Remember God had just led them out of the land of Egypt. He rescued them from the house of slavery. He says, That's the God who's speaking here. He's speaking these words in stone. And so this original audience, put yourself in their shoes. They've just been rescued. God's speaking to them and he's promising to take them. He's on his way, leading them to the promised land. You're getting ready to be there. You cannot wait to just get there. And what does he say? will ensure you living long in the land, honoring your mother and your father. So this had profound implications for the Israelites so long ago. But for us, what does it mean for us today? Well, for the Israelites, the promised land was so good. And the reason they wanted to stay there, it wasn't so good and so wonderful and intriguing for them because it was some magical tropical paradise. It was because it signified God's blessing, his presence, his dwelling with them, presiding over them. That's what made the promised land so good. That God was there and he was there in blessing form. And so that's what I think is attached here. And that's the blank on your study sheet, that it's the presence of God's blessing that's incorporated with this commandment. And what does that look like for us today? Well, again, going back to Paul, I believe he rephrases this well, this promise. He says, honor so that it may go well with you. That's the words he chooses, that it may go well with you. So maybe instead of understanding it more as a promise and how we understand promises, Maybe we could understand it better as a proverb. Let's rephrase. Blessed is the one who honors his father and mother. It will go well with them. And that's what I think can be communicated to us this morning from our text. That it will go well with us. It is in our best interest to honor our father and mother. When I was 16, That's the driving age in Pennsylvania. I heard it's in first service. They told me it's the driving age here as well, right? 16 when you, when you learn to drive and get your license. And the way it works in Pennsylvania is as soon as you're done with your test and if you pass, you get your license on the spot there. And I could not wait for the day that my, uh, my test came because I could not wait to drive on my own. And because I was so excited, I was also really nervous about it. And so I had this appointment in the afternoon or whatever to go and do the test. And I had some time to kill. So my dad was like, go and clean the car. Uh, No, not go and clean the car. Go and detail the car, right? Inside, outside, make this thing spick and span. And I did. And so I go and I report back to him. All right, finished job. I've done it. And he says, well, did you clean behind the sun visors? You know, the sun visors that you flip down to block out the sun. And on there, on it was old Buick. You flip down the sun visor and there's a little flap that opens up and there's a mirror, two lights in there, right? Kind of an older car. He says, I want you to clean that mirror. And I said, why would I clean this mirror? The person at the, that the test site is not going to flip this sun visor down, look at himself in the mirror. And he said, that's not the point. He said, clean the mirror. It's like Mr. Miyagi stuff, like wax on, wax off. Right? So I'm like, okay, fine. So like a good boy, I honored my dad and I washed the mirror. My mom takes me to the test. I'm super nervous at this point. The test is about to happen. She's out of the car. I'm by myself. I've completely forgotten about all that washing stuff. And then here comes the instructor guy. He comes walking around the car. Look at the car like this. 
Mm-hmm. Opens up the door, starts looking at the door jams, looking at the interior, gets in, sits down, says, wow, this is a clean car. I kid you not. Next thing he does, reaches up for the sun visor, pulls the sun visor down, looks at me and says, the real test of cleanliness is whether or not you got the mirror. <laughs> Opens it up, says, impressive. I did amazing on that test. Got my license. Uh, honor your father and mother so that it will go well with you. And it will. It will. Just a quick reminder here as we talk about God's blessing on our life. Sometimes what we think is God's blessing for us or should be God's blessing for us actually isn't what God has intended for us. The truth is he knows what is best for us. So if we think our lives are going to be cherries and this will be something that'll be great. Well, Maybe not. We do know this, that God works all things together for good for those who love him. But it might not always be how we expect. So just a reminder there. I put a couple additional points under the heading why honor there on your study sheet. One obvious reason, an important reason that we honor our father and mother is because when we do so, we honor our heavenly father. Our heavenly father is honored and glorified when we honor our earthly mother and father. And that's significant. God's glory is in this commandment as much as it is in the rest. And he gave these words in stone so long ago for a reason. He wanted us to keep them. They're important. They're timeless. They're given to us. He holds them in high value. And so we should too. And when we respond in obedience to it, he is honored and glorified. And that should be a big deal to us. Secondly, don't discount the gospel aroma. Aroma is the blank on your study sheet there. And there really is uh, some somewhat of a pleasant scent, scent that comes with obedience. Obedience in general to God's command, but especially to this one. That in a world where honor and family aren't valued, when we do that, it's noticed. And there's a good vibe that comes with that. And there's that good aroma that it leaves behind. And people notice that. And the reason why that's important is because there are people out there who you will cross paths with who don't know Jesus and they don't know what he's like. But if you're being obedient to this command, if you're honoring your father and mother, you are demonstrating what Jesus is like to that person so that they can have an encounter with Jesus when they observe your life. Don't discount the gospel witness that you can have with your life. The flip side of that, though, is that if you consistently dishonor your parents, you damage the gospel message that your life can share. And if you really dig in, and if you really harbor bitterness, you might, in fact, damage the gospel advancing in your community and the people that you cross paths with. And that's, that's a hard, hard thing to hear, but it's the truth. And it should be a warning to us that God takes his command seriously. And we should too. We should too. Sometimes responding to God's word can fill us with all kinds of courage and enthusiasm and we're ready to go get them. But sometimes it can be a little bit more difficult. Maybe we've got some fear. Maybe we've got some trepidation some hurt. I think that might be 
the case this morning for some of us. I know there are some here among us sitting in this room now who you've endured some pretty tough stuff when it comes to mom and dad. I hope you can hear God's care for you this morning. I hope you can hear that following this commandment for you doesn't mean that you affirm sin or that you just pretend everything's okay. It's not. God knew how hard this commandment would be for you to follow. But he doesn't leave it, leave you on your own to figure it out. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to show you what it looks like to honor. And Jesus honored us when we didn't deserve it. In the midst of our sin, Jesus died for us and thus honored us. And, and he doesn't just leave us to figure it out on our own. He gives us the great helper. And we sang earlier in a song that we walk by faith, not alone. We walk by faith and he walks with us. He walks with us. He is a present help for us. He will help us and offer grace upon grace. For others of you, um, may need a little bit of a gentle reminder this morning that quite frankly, you're, you're not all that perfect yourself. And that despite that, Jesus died for you. He knew about all the bad things, the wrong things that you would do to him, how you would dishonor him. But yet he chose to come and he honored you. And now he asks you to follow him. And he didn't say it was going to be easy. But again, he helps us. He is helping us always, walking with us. He knows our hearts. And he knows how to help us. And he will. Okay, but what does it actually look like to honor those who don't deserve it? Well, I think it looks different for each of us. Obviously, we all have different parents, different personalities, different scenarios. Uh, it will look different for each of us. But a couple things. Sometimes, sometimes doing nothing is the right thing to do. And what I mean by that is not doing something that you shouldn't do. Speaking ill, doing ill, restraint and refraining can be a gracious form of granting honor. And it's an interesting one because it's, it's not seen by other people. Nobody really sees when you don't do something, but God sees. And that can be a very gracious form of granting honor to someone is, is restraint, restraint. I encourage you to check out first Samuel 24 there. I put on your study sheet of David and how he restrained from laying a hand on God's anointed, even when he wanted to so bad. Even when people gave him a good religious reason to do so, he refrained. Restraint. Restraint can be a gracious form of granting honor. But doing nothing is not always best, though. It's important for us also to demonstrate honor, to actively demonstrate it. And that is going to look all kinds of different ways. But a couple things, maybe for you, it's just reaching out and making a connection. Phone call out of the blue. Hey. Hi. Maybe it's a, a postcard remembering birthdays or holidays. Maybe it's something a little bit more abstract like this. I made this for my dad, a picture of a refuge, sent it to him. The one main thing I want to challenge for you, you all have a different way to respond to this, but there might be someone in this room who needs to hear this, that you should be the one to reach out. 
in the hopes of starting a healing process. Don't wait for someone else. You'll be the one to do it. Not saying that's for everyone, but maybe you're here this morning. You need to hear that. God will help. If you're wrestling with these truths, that might not be a bad thing. That might be right where God wants you to be. Are you willing to ask God? Are you willing to really ask him? How can I honor my father and my mother, Lord? Show me what to do. And do you have the courage? And are you willing to follow through with what he asks you to do? That's the question. Know this, that in a broken, honorless world, we can, we can grant honor with God's help. I invite you to stand with me. So let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are a good father to us, that you show us what a good father is like, and that for those of us who are as orphans, we know that we have a father in you. All of us do. We are all your children. Thank you for being willing to guide us. Thank you for this commandment in particular. Thank you for the grace that it is for us. Thank you for the invitation that it is to know you and to make you known. Father, we help, we pray for your help. Help us, Lord, especially for those of us who aren't sure how to respond to this. For those of us who are feeling hurt, Father, comfort and guide us. Show us how we can be like you. Continue that work that you've begun in us and be with us as we go this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.